Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 136. It's now been three years, three months, and eight days since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And I'm happy to be up the mountain today as I was rained out yesterday. Yep, even in sunny Southern California, some rain does fall. Ironic, as last show I was talking about how having a schedule helps me. Well, this is a case where flexibility helped me to stand my change of plans that were outside of my control. But I do have a few plans and a few surprises today. In fact, I'm calling day 136, many shades of non-sexy gray. And after we listen to our inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward, I'll share what I'm letting go of today. We'll hear how Donnie is feeling via her comments after last show and from her special nature theme version of Foolish Fun. Then BC Kevin replies to Donnie and Sue from the UK about their support of him on the Bravery Report. I'll make a small reminder about how to know when other BCs have supported you and how you can best support them. We'll welcome our newest BC, Mar, and then we'll wrap up as Mark and I ponder 23 years of marriage in all its glorious shades of non-sexy gray. The other shades are just for us. So stay tuned while we listen to Josh, and then I'll let you know what I'm letting go of today. But I'm letting go. Josh, it's always such a pleasure to listen to that inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go. And I do listen to it and I do enjoy it, even though today I kind of know already what I want to let go of today. Sometimes I do, sometimes inspiration hits me here on top of the mountain. But as I said at the open, it rained yesterday, so I could not follow my plan of hiking up the mountain yesterday and recording. I mean, I guess I could, but one, it would have been a hard hike. I would have had to deal with the noise of the rain. I just didn't feel like it. So I thought, well, the weather report is saying that it will be a fairly nice day today. And so I will change my plan to record, if at all possible, on Thursday rather than Wednesday. And that's what I did. So I alluded to it that what I realized I need to let go of in a big, big way is over-rigidity or its twin, over-flexibility, hence the different shades of non-sexy gray. It's really easy to become fixated and rigid on your schedules and then say, what the heck? Screw this, it didn't work out, so it's all gone down the bathtub. Who cares? I might as well just sit on the couch and watch Survivor. Yeah, that's what I could do. Or the other one, overfluidity, is just, I'll just go hiking whenever it strikes me and when I feel full of energy and I want to say something. And BCs, this is a pretty darn long hike. 
So it isn't usually something that I just wake up and say, here, let me put on my hiking boots and run up the hill, especially when it gets hot. <laughs> usually I have to kind of think to myself, this is what I'm going to do, because I also kind of need to plan my other exercise around my hiking schedule, since a day after hiking is not a great day for me to go on a long, long bike ride or to work out on my big muscle plans or anything. You know, so it does take a little bit of planning for me to effectively get the best out of my hike. But I'm getting off my point. My point is my feelings yesterday when I was trying to tell myself, you better hike up that hill even though it's raining because you had told the BCs you were going to be there for them on Wednesday and they can count on you even though it was not convenient for me to hike in the rain. I thought, well... Yes, the VCs may like to know and expect that most likely they can wake up to a show on Thursday, but they're not going to die if they don't, you know. And I can see from the download numbers that the VCs aren't just waiting there, ready to hit download from iTunes or wherever they get their podcasts from, because the shows that I've done since the reboot, the numbers are pretty good, but they're gradually rising. They don't happen all at once. So that tells me the BCs are listening, but they're not listening like immediately. They're putting it in their queue and they're listening as they get to it. So there is really no need for me to be rigid on myself to get that show out there on that day. But I realized that this thought was exactly as one side of my long-time eating disorder. Can you guess which one? The dieting side. It's like where I feel compelled to eat a particular amount of calories or to eat an item or not eat an item because that's on my eating plan. Even if a friend comes over with a freshly baked cake and wants to have a nice talk with me, or even if I unexpectedly have to go out to dinner, or if something else should happen, I feel compelled to stick to that diet plan like the letter of the law. And if I don't, that critical voice inside my compulsive brain starts poking, 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 poking at me, letting me know what a failure I am, how because I am weak, and no good, and it's no wonder that I fail, it's no wonder that I'm fat, it's no wonder, and it can go off into non-eating things, it's no wonder you didn't get that job, it's no wonder, ah, blah, 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 blah. Yes, I ate a piece of cake, therefore I am a failure. And since I'm a failure and I ate the piece of cake, I might as well jump head first into the other side of my eating disorder, which was the compulsive eating and binge eating. Oh no, I had a bite of cake. So. That means this diet's over. I might as well just let loose until the next time and just eat, you know, three bags of chips, order my own cake from the bakery, uh, go after the donuts, or whatever thing, Cheetos, I don't know now. Because it's hard for me to think of a binge food since there's no food that is disallowed to me at the moment by my own self. But for sure, I would dive into that. And while I would feel really badly about myself in the midst of this binge and robot alien visits, part of me would be very, very relieved. There was a huge amount of relief to that. I'm off the hook. Since I'm not on a diet or food plan anymore, I can just, 
ah, eat whatever, and whatever was usually copious amounts. It was like I was eating to make up for all the times that I didn't eat, or I was eating for all the times in the future I might not eat, or I was just eating because in my brain I thought that the 30th spoonful of ice cream was tasting as good as the second, which I know now not to be the case. I know I've done this tip before, but if you really want something delicious, usually about three tastes is more than enough to satisfy that urge. Like if your friend brought over a cheesecake and you're very, very fond of cheesecake, but you really don't want to be eating cheesecake right now for whatever reason that you have, but you would like to try it. You can slowly taste one bite and that will taste great. It will feel like, wow, if she made a good cheesecake anyway, but it'll taste great. And so you think, I'd like another one because I want to repeat that flavor. So spoon number two comes up to your lips and you taste it and mm, that still tastes pretty darn good. But if you pay attention, it doesn't taste quite as good as that first bite. And you think, huh, that doesn't taste quite as good, but maybe the third bite will. So you take that one and if you savor it, it will still taste good but it won't even be close to the first bite. And at that moment, if you wanted to have a taste of this delicious looking thing, you can be done and not feel badly and maybe wrap your piece of cheesecake up for later to have these three bites again and experience the joy of that first bite. So some of you are going like, are you out of your mind, Lori? But I'm telling you it's true. For me, after all my work in intuitive eating, there's two reasons when I'm really kind of happy to be eating and can be satisfied easily. One is that I have physical absolute hunger and I've learned that hunger for me is not what I thought when I spent 50 years being a compulsive eater. It isn't the ravenous stomach growl. For me, the hungry is I can tell because of the timing from the last meal that I had, I kind of know about what time I actually get hungry and I feel an energy dip that I feel like, man, if I could eat something, I'm going to feel more alert and feel like I could walk a little further or bike a little further or go on with my day. And I see my energy go down. And if I go too long then without eating a little something, I will start to get the stomach growls and the things that were associated with being physically hungry. And for me, Lori, that is way too hungry. And that's a nom, 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 nom. Let me get whatever food is in the kitchen or whatever I can do. Let me go to the In-N-Out Burger. Let me go wherever I can be and let me just shove this down my throat right now. Now, I'm not having an emotional reaction at that moment. <laughs> I'm just really, really hungry. And my body is giving me the signal that it's time to eat. And I am going to fill that up right now. But I will eat way, way more than my body actually needs in order to feel not hungry or satisfied or have energy. And by the time I wake up from this over <laughs> food coma, I'm like, Oh, I don't feel good. That was too much. Oh, this isn't any good. Oh, intuitive eating isn't working because I got hungry and then look at this. Ah. Well, it took me a long, long time to figure out that for me, what being hungry is so that I can use that. So I've got hungry and then I've got delicious. If I'm not hungry, 
but I'm out on a social occasion or there is, like my cheesecake example, something that I personally find extremely delicious that I want to taste, I will use my three taste rule. And if the three tastes taste exactly the same to me, then I know that I'm just nervous or something. That I'm just using food as a way to do something with my mouth, I guess. Like a smoker likes to have something in their mouth. I'm just, it's not about the food. If the three bites taste the same, it's not about the flavor. I found that to be true. So when I'm on my game, I can pay attention to that and go, hmm, must not really be craving this all that much. So I think I'll just stop and wait until a time where I am craving that. So you say, that's great. What's this got to do with rigidity and overflexibility? Well, this diet rigid side and the binging what the health side that was my eating life and actually was strangling all the rest of my life. My eating disorder was smothering me and keeping me from having meaningful real relationships and keeping me from having confidence and bravery to go after what I wanted in so many areas. But this, this cycle is really normal to me to feel that way. Either very rigid and controlled in my schedule, my deeds, what I need to do, what I need to accomplish, or I'm very lackluster. I also see this in my dusty house of horrors, <laughs> which I've talked to you about. I do not love to clean my house. I'm not one of those persons who, when they get stressed, I'll immediately get the Ajax out and start cleaning something or the vinegar or anything else. I like my house to be clean. I wish I could have a magic fairy come down and make it clean for me because <laughs> I don't enjoy it. I enjoy the result of it, but I do not enjoy it. And most days I can kind of keep on top of it, but if I let that housework slide, which is kind of the equivalent of going off my house diet, I just say, what the heck, and go back to that couch for a survivor instead, or go practice voice acting, or go hiking, or do anything in the world until having a messy house is so overwhelming to me that I can't even conceive of a doable plan to get it back into shape. Okay, so that's the over-flexibility in house cleaning. The over-rigidity side is, okay, Lori, enough of this mortifying, dusty house of horrors. You need to get off your ass and get your house clean. So, I make a schedule. I get out the calendar. Monday, you are going to dust the living room and the, this one. You are going to vacuum. You are going to haul all this junk to the Goodwill. You're going to do this and you're going to that. And I write down this plan. Well, what does that sound like? House diet. And I don't like house diets any more than I like eating diets. You know, I will stick to it for a while, but I find myself resentful. Oh, it's Monday and I have to be here vacuuming the living room when I would rather be doing this other thing. Oh, this just sucks, but if I don't do it, everything's going to heck and my friends can never come over ever again because I'm such a failure and awful. And who is it that can't keep their house clean? What adult in the world can't keep their house clean? And you notice, that is really kind of the things I say to myself. It's that critical voice that terrorizes us all over our eating and body issues is terrorizing me about my housekeeping. Now, as an adult person who has pride in their nice house and would like to have my friends be able to drop in without me being totally mortified, <laughs> I would enjoy to keep my house up better. I would. 
I'm not a total failure because I don't like to clean my house. And it's not even unusual that I feel overwhelmed when the house gets too dirty and I need to come up with a little more flexible plan that isn't so demanding of me so that I could work a little bit, you know, every day or so to get my house in shape and find some method, sort of like the intuitive eating thing, so that I could feel better in my own home because I do feel happier in my own home when the place is clean. But I don't feel good when I'm overwhelmed or when I feel I'm a taskmaster. And this goes for my voice acting practice and audition. It goes for doing yard work. It goes to anything that I feel I should be doing or even if I want to do it. I have to really watch out and notice and say to myself, hmm, Lori, you need a little more shade of gray there in your thinking. You need a little non-sexy shades of gray so that you can get something done. And watch Survivor just a little bit, but still leave room for flexibility. So BCs, I would love to hear your take on your version of rigidity versus overflexibility, and what you think of today's Letting Go segment. Last show, Donnie shared her health fears and concerns. We wished her well, and this is what she had to say, not only about her own state of being, but to the other BCs mentioned in day 135, and about my rollicking adventure with the deer. Yay for friends! Welcome, Amanda and Taylor. Kudos, Kevin, for making the brave call and sharing. I appreciate your kind, caring, Lori. Yay for I'm getting to feel better. Never a specific diagnosis or answer, but what really matters is that I'm feeling better. Truly awesome, your closeness to the deer. Where we live, they tend to run the other way in range of human, laughing out loud. I can also appreciate your capture of the time factor. I'm bad in my rigid, compulsive ways about time and dagnabbit. Everything better go my way. The way I plan and the time I planned it, or all is indeed lost, laughing out loud. Always such a treat hearing from you, friend. Donnie, as always, here's a big smooch. I'm glad you're feeling more like yourself, and thanks for commenting and supporting me and the other BCs. It makes a huge difference. Here's BC Kevin's response on the Bravery Report to thank Sue from the UK and Donnie for supporting his story there. And as a reminder, I'll put another link to Kevin's brave and touching story on today's show notes of day 136. Donnie had written, You are so very awesome, Kevin. Thanks for stopping by and joining in by sharing. That is a very brave thing to do. Your success sounds amazing. You are very strong for really looking in and trying to figure you out. And Kevin thanked her. Sue from the UK wrote, You are so welcome, Kevin. I find that vocalizing thoughts in the written word as you and Lori do, or via the spoken word as Lori and others do, is so helpful. Self-awareness is so important and is the first step before change is possible. Keep going and you will reap the benefit. Regards, Sue. And Kevin replied, Thank you so much, Sue. Even the strongest tree can be uprooted by fierce winds, and the most feeble tree can endure the storm with the support of firmly rooted stakes. You guys are all such excellent support amidst our shared struggles. 
BCs, I know it takes time and courage to visit the blog at compulsiveovereatingdiary.com to comment, but your comments and calls are the lifeblood of this show. I tell stories based on my experience, but you all are the fabric of the community that hold us BCs together. Each of your stories are unique, and the hearing of it supports literally thousands of other people who struggle with eating issues and body image across the world. I think it's up to 135 countries to date. So I ask you again, please be brave and take the time to share your thoughts and or support. It does matter. You do make a difference. And to that end, here are some tips. Tip one. Sign up to be subscribed to the Compulsive Overeating Diary blog. You can comment on episodes or blog posts directly from the emails you receive. Makes it really easy to find the show you're interested in. Tip two, after you do comment, there is a little checkbox directly after the text box where you enter your comment that you can select that will automatically email you when anyone else replies to your comment. And that way you can keep track of who is supporting you or thanking you. Three. If you don't want to sign up for the blog, but would like to comment on a particular show because something struck your fancy or you wanted to support a particular BC, you can go to the blog easily because my show format is always like this. CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com slash day, D-A-Y, 136, or day three, or day 18, whatever day the episode is, with no spaces. So if you heard a new BC, like we're going to hear a new BC Mar today on day five, and you wanted to go say hello to her, you would go compulsiveovereatingdiary.com slash D-A-Y-5 slash. And that would take you directly to that show notes page where you could find her comment and reply to her. Tip four, if you'd like to comment or post on who are the brave companions, which is our page where we give a little bit about our own story, or... You want to put yourself on the bravery report. That's what you do when you do something that you think is brave and you want to have it documented for all time. Both of those pages are found on the main menu of compulsiveovereatingdiary.com. Tip five, you want to call the bravery hotline, but I never give the number. Well, that's because if you're just hearing the podcast, it's hard to remember the number. And you can find the Bravery Hotline number directly under the first selfie on each show notes page, as well as on the contact page of the blog. If you view the show notes with your iPhone, I know for a fact you can call it directly by clicking on the number. With an Android phone, I'm not quite so sure, but I bet it probably works there too. Tip number six. If you use SpeakPipe to send me a voice message, like Kevin did last show, I will always, always, always record a voicemail reply that gets emailed back to the email address you use to send the SpeakPipe message. So if you send messages via SpeakPipe with an email address that you only use for the show, be sure to check it a few days later and you'll hear what I had to say about your message in a personal way. Last week, I was really touched to hear this from our newest BC, Mar, on day five. Hi, Lori. I'm enjoying your podcast. I am now on number five. I enjoyed it, and I appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time to do these. I appreciate your raw honesty, and I can relate to you. I've lost 140-plus pounds and am still fighting the fight. Thanks again, and God bless. Wow, Mar, congrats on your weight loss. I know that is a huge amount of dedication. 
As you move through the shows, I would love to learn more of your story and thoughts, and I'm sending you our welcomest hugs and smooches. Hugs, smooches, mm. And if you'd like to welcome her too, please call the Bravery Hotline, use SpeakPipe, or find the link to Mars comment on day five. In honor of Donnie's special version of Foolish Fun, which is for the birds, I hope you enjoy this snippet of recorded bird song that I took on the mountain. First you'll hear the birds, then you'll hear Donnie in Foolish Fun. <laughs> Lori presents Foolish Fun. <laughs> the feature where messing up is just part of the act. <laughs> Springtime brings birds. Lori always talks about birds. So I thought I'd like to ask you a couple things about birds. When should you buy a bird? Ha, huh, when it's going cheap. Did you hear the one about the crow and the telephone pole? He wanted to make a long distance call. What is green and pecks on trees? Woody's a wood pickle. Okay, I got a story for you. There was a rooster sitting on the top of a barn. If it laid an egg, which way would it roll? <laughs> Roosters don't lay eggs. Fun, 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 foolish fun. <laughs> and if you love to be foolish too, call the Bravery Hotline and get your silly on. Thanks so much, Donnie Gal. I love it. And BCs, you could be on Foolish Fun too. Just send an audio however you can. Call the Bravery Hotline. You speak pipe. Email me from your audio phone app. It's a chance to be silly. You can tell a joke, play a kazoo, sing a song, anything that is fun for you. And just let me know it's for Foolish Fun. And you could be on an upcoming episode too. To wrap up today, Mark and I just celebrated our 23rd, can you believe it, 23rd year of married, bliss, boredom, fights, makeups, projects, travels, misunderstanding, and all else has been part of our life. And to share our celebration and our many shades of non-sexy gray with you, we decided to tell you a bit what our marriage has been like. Any, I promised the Brave Companions that we talk about the special date we just had. Do you remember what that was? Oh, you must mean our anniversary. But which anniversary was it? It was the 23rd. Did you know that already? Uh, no. <laughs> How did you figure it out? Well, I uh, looked into our, I looked in our wedding ring. You looked into your wedding ring? What's yes. in there? Uh, the word yes and the date of our the date of our wedding. Hmm, that sounds like the end of the story. What was in my wedding ring? And your wedding ring I had inscribed, may I have this dance for the rest of my life. Oh, and so your ring said yes. Yes. And the date. And the date. And the reason why I did that was so that he would always know what our anniversary was. 
Because are you the type to remember when your anniversary is? No, I'm terrible at dates, birthdays, anniversaries, any of that stuff. Oh yeah, but I think you know now. Like, what's my birthday? Your birthday? Um, March 9th, 19. Oh, uh, 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 uh oh, won't do that. <laughs> March 9th. Mm, that's correct. Now, what was our wedding anniversary day? That was May 9th. Exactly. And that, dear brave companions, was on purpose because I knew that way that Mark would be able to remember my birthday, which is very important to me, and our anniversary because it's the same day, just a couple months apart. Yes. And it was very unlikely I'd get a tattoo, so that was a pretty good way of doing it. The only thing more unlikely than you getting a tattoo was me, because I'm too scared of needles. But it really wasn't a big fad back then either. No, and I have nothing against tattoos, I, you know, so. Oh, you want you want to get a tattoo No, now? I don't want a tattoo. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it, because I don't either. No offense, BCs, if you have no. tattoos. But no, we like tattoos just fine. I, on you. One reason we wanted to talk to you today was because a lot of times when people fall in love and get married, you hear in happily ever after. And when we first met, well, tell them, how did we meet? Well, we met square dancing. So Mark was my dance partner, and we met and we fell in love and we got married. And then what was married life like for you, honey, when we first were married? Well... I, I was 40 at the time, and uh, maybe even a hair older, if I don't remember the exact age, but early 40s. And so I wasn't used to going out and doing stuff, so it was really, it was really uh, eye-opening and exhilarating and fun. And we did a lot of stuff, and, and you know, just, it just was a, a lot of fun. So what were some of the fun things that we did early on in our marriage? Well, we went to Hawaii. Actually, we've gone to Hawaii quite a bit all through our marriage, but we went to Hawaii and that was new for us. So that was that was really that was really um, that was really fun and you, romantic. Yes, and you'd never been there before, so uh, you know, I got to show you some of the stuff. And uh, you know, the snorkeling and and Dancing, and we did a lot, a lot, a lot of dancing, and um, so we really enjoyed that. We went up to the San Juans, and we went uh, with our parents on a big boat ride up through all the islands and stuff. And we did a lot of hiking, and you know, at that time, I don't think we were biking until a little bit later in the no, relationship. No, we started bike riding when I went to Weight Watchers, and I wanted to bike ride so that I could lose weight a little bit more. Yeah, that's that's when we had a hard time buying a bike because the bike shop <laughs> wouldn't sell me a bike because I was too big. Or see, me it, too, it, with it, both it, of us. They said, "Oh no, we don't we don't make bikes for people your size." You know, it's like, so we actually we solved that problem, found some one that was more than happy to sell us an appropriate bike for our sizes. Yeah, people have some assumptions based on size, as we've talked about during the show a lot. And Mark and I, we're still bigger than the average bear. However, we have ridden hundreds and hundreds of miles on our bikes, and that's something that we still enjoy even to this day. Yes, we, we do. We have some nice bikes. We actually rode all the way the, around the island to Hawaii, the big island. I mean, the whole way. So that was that was a lot of fun. 
Yeah, that was back in the olden days when I was 50 and a youngster. Yeah, that was like halfway through our, our marriage, I think. <laughs> Not quite, a little more than half. Uh, okay. But to get back to our topic, so we had like a fun, exciting, doing a lot of new things and enjoying each other and discovering each other, period, when we were married for the first several years. And then we kind of hit the middle of our marriage when things weren't quite so exciting. Could you describe some of the challenges you had as our marriage went on? Well, you know, trying to just trying to keep it fresh was it was a big deal, and and also we knew each other's stories. I mean, I knew every story you had ever told. You knew every story I would ever told. So it's like, you know, kind of like, oh no, not that story again, or oh no, we already know how this is going to go. Things, you know, things, you know, were, were, um, were good, but, uh, not, you know, sometimes they were a little, little hectic, it, you know. Well, it was kind of boring for him because it wasn't new anymore. And what was exciting, since he was, when he was a bachelor, he didn't go out a whole lot and do a lot of things. It became more of a burden to Mark to have to go out. Now me, I'm very social, so I'm on the go, 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 go all the time. And he's actually has a little different take on what's a perfect evening. Well, and also I've changed. And my family has a thing where as we get older, we get more claustrophobic. So it's, it's a real challenge for me to do a lot of things that I did when I was younger. I mean, for real. And, you know, I, I don't stop. I keep on trying, but it's, you know, it's it's something that I have to deal with always. So I'm not, I'm not really, we found ways around it. So we're, we're working our best to, like, still have new experiences and, and be able to do stuff and, and deal with some of my claustrophobia. Well, it's not just his claustrophobia. You guys all know about, oh, my weird quirks and things that I do that, you know, assumptions that I made. That can be very, very hard to live with, too. And me having my point of view, I just naturally assume that Mark would understand where I'm coming from. Wrong! And he would just naturally assume that I would know where he was coming from. Also. Wrong! We also have differences in our energy. I'm a very, very early bird, and he prefers to be active. Uh, late afternoon, evening. Night. Night. He stays up all night, and I get up very early. So sometimes we're literally like ships that pass in the night when we're at home. So that's one reason why I love it when we go to Ventura, because then we're kind of a little bit more on the same schedule when we're away from home. But all of these quirks took some work to get through, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Yep. But finally, we come to realize that Mark isn't wrong to be Mark, and I'm not... Wrong to be Lori. It just is how it is, right? Right. That's, that's what it, is. it is what it is. They're a work in progress. And once we came to accept each other, I think we kind of started to be able to appreciate each other a little bit more. So now we come to 23 years later... We've worked through some of these issues, and we're still working on them. What are you grateful for about still being married at this point in our lives? Well, I'm grateful for all our shared experiences. We've gone through uh, a lot of good and bad times, and uh, we've survived it. And, and, you know, it's true, some of the things that you get mad at now and later on you laugh at, I mean, that 
that is actually, I think, <laughs> true. I think it is true. And we've gotten mad at some doozies in our time. Some per- yeah, some pretty strange things we get mad about, you know. But through it all, I have to say that I love you, honey. I love you too, sweetheart. Oh, happy anniversary, honey. Happy anniversary, babe. Thanks, Mark Kenny, for 23 years and for going on the Bravery Report by agreeing to be on the show with me today. Mm-hmm. So, BCs, until next time, remember to revel in all your shades of non-sexy gray. And if you're into the mood, the sexy ones too. Until next time, take care, because I really, 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 really in all the colors of the rainbow, care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. Just inside my skin